0: loved it i'll send you a copy bam bitch went down welcome to horror queers we are back for another week we are talking queer movies we're talking about queer stuff i'm joe and i'm trace (laughs) i don't don't know what you're doing with your inflection I feel like uh, I've discovered that I'm the voice actor of the two, and you get to be the the wacky monologue guy, and I get to do
1: voice actors. Uh, um, okay, that's... Sure, we, we will go with that. Uh, listeners, tweet us if you think that's a stupid idea. Uh, oh, wow. Gone the <laughs> throne, we're 30 seconds in. That's nice. That's a real nice choice. <laughs> I know, but honestly, it was just kind of... Get, after watching the movie we we're discussing today, it really just kind of got me in the mood to really just... Get up my harsh digs and just throw them at you.
0: Wow. Like so much chocolate milk.
1: Yes. That was actually in my notes. So I I didn't have a lot of deep notes about this movie. I actually have half a page of notes that are literally just Danielle's lines. Yeah. It's just reactions, right? (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. Because this movie is funny and it's not something that I expected it to be. Fair enough. And what movie are you talking about, pray tell? I am talking about Happy Death Day. Surprise hit from 2017. I think this is the most recently made film that we've discussed so far. Only seven episodes in, so I think we're doing okay. Released October 13th, 2017 by Universal Pictures. Of course, it was a Blumhouse production. Uh, budget of $4.8 million. Not shocking, again, considering it's Blumhouse. They typically run around $5 million budgets with the rare $10 million budget. I don't know how they do it. I don't either. It is shocking. but And all their movies look pretty good. Yes. Um, so yeah, it opened number one rank uh, with $26 million. So that PG-13 rank rating really paid off. I don't buy it.
0: I, I think there's money to be made in R ratings and there's money to be made in PG. But I think people found out that this was a good movie and it overperformed.
1: I think so too. Because I, I don't think when the trailer came out that anyone really had a lot of interest in it. It wasn't until reviews started coming out that people were like, oh, this is actually a decent movie. And I think it's because the plot lends itself to a R rating. So when you throw a slasher with the PG-13, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. It's true. So yeah, it went on to gross $55.7 million. That is 11 or 12 times its budget. And then another $69.8 million internationally for a worldwide total of $125 million. (laughs) And it should be noted, that's an important figure because a lot
0: of times films will do reasonably well in north america and then they'll tank in the worldwide budgets unless you're something like a transformers or a big glossy action film so to actually overperform both domestically in your opening weekend but then also do better internationally it's a pretty good feat
1: and i, I really do wonder well because it made more internationally, which i mean obviously that's taking in all the other countries in the world that it was you know released in Is- Canada's part of that, right?
0: No, we are considered part of the U.S. theatrical distribution.
1: Wow, I did not know that. Good to know. So yeah, either way, it it made buttloads of money. So it's not shocking that it's getting a sequel, which, P.S., listeners, comes out the day this episode drops. So after you listen to this episode, you should go watch Happy Death Day to you. We're not getting paid for that. That's actually just my genuine opinion.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, what we are getting paid for is if you wanted to join our Patreon feed, where you could listen to our discussion about the sequel, which will be dropping
1: shortly after this episode. Yes, by surely by the time this episode drops, we'll have both seen it. So we'll see. Anyway, back to the first one. Uh Like we said, relatively good reviews came out. Uh, it has a 71% on Rotten Tomatoes with an average user score of 65%. The average critic score was 6 out of 10 versus the audience's 3.6 out of 5 or a 7 out of 10. So audiences rated the movie actually a little bit better than critics did. But either way, I mean, for, a, again, a PG-13 slasher movie that... No one had any hopes for. It's kind of solid. Metacritic scores a bit more of a lukewarm fifty-seven out of hundred. So make it that way. Metacritic. I know it's a lot of pretentious people there. Now, just more selective critics. (laughs) Uh, And I know we always get bogged down in the details of this. So just really quickly, um, directed by Christopher B. Landon, who. I did not know his pedigree when I first saw this movie in theaters. So he got his start doing a lot of writing. One of his first big films was the 2007 film Blood and Chocolate, the YA like werewolf adaptation movie. Oh, I thought that sounded familiar. Yes, I think it was Agnes Bruckner. Uh, but that's one where upon reading interviews with him, the, the final product was very different than what he wrote. So he was not happy with the final film. But his first big hit was Disturbia, the 2007 movie Rear Window, basically, adaptation.
0: <laughs> with oh, Shia the LaBeouf. DJ
1: Caruso Shia LaBeouf collaboration. Yes. So he did that, and then he got in with Blumhouse, doing writing the scripts for *Paranormal Activity 2, 3, and 4. Mm. Two of those movies are good. 2 and 3. 4 is not good. I've seen none of them. Really?
0: I've not seen a single Paranormal
1: Activity those first three are solid i honestly had the series ended with the third one which the third one is actually a prequel it probably would have done better but i say that with a caveat because he got his first chance to direct one of these movies with the fifth entry paranormal activity the marked ones which he wrote and directed now is that a good one it's it's an okay one it is better because four is kind of a pile of dog shit and (laughs) The marked ones, while not. I wouldn't say it's like a great movie. It it it's an interesting one because it it's a kind of like a sidequel cool where it doesn't really advance the plot, but it focuses on um like Mexican culture. Uh, oh, yes, like I, I say that. I think it's Mexican. I I could be totally wrong with the race, but it, it deals with kind of race a little bit more. It's not about a white family, I'll tell you that. But it it's it's solid. It's worth watching. But honestly, Joe, like. That third one is good. The third, Paranormal Activity, is a really good movie, and it's quite terrifying. So I would highly recommend watching that.
0: Oh, I've heard good things about them. I remember at the time, I was very much a staunch Saw advocate. So when I saw the paranormal was starting to creep in, I was like, fuck this paranormal activity bullshit like <laughs> saw all the way man yeah hardcore kills and then people were like you know paranormal activity is actually a good movie and these two franchises can coexist at the same time to
1: which i said no, no. <laughs> <laughs> well no, i remember because saw was coming out every halloween but then paranormal activity started coming out also on halloween so it was mm-hmm. it was really weird and they were always competing and i thought that was kind of dumb but yeah Lionsgate versus blumhouse so mm-hmm. that was 2014 and then he Came back in 2015, writing and directing Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse. Have you seen that?
0: I've not. I've heard okay
1: things about it, but I haven't heard from anybody that they hardcore loved it or anything. That's basically how I feel, too. I think it's fine. I remember actually reading a lot of bad reviews for it, and when I saw it, I was like, oh, like that was pretty funny. It's a lot of juvenile humor, and it stars Logan Miller, who we just talked about in our Escape Room Patreon episode as a douchebag, but... You know, it's it's totally serviceable and fine. It's a rental. Uh, Fair enough. So, so it's fine. Uh, then, boom, flash forward to 2017 and we have Happy Death Day, which he actually didn't write. So it's, he only directed it. But it, according to Wikipedia, uh, he is an uncredited screenwriter <laughs> on the film.
0: Yeah, I think I had seen a couple of different fact sheets that hinted that there were some very significant rewrites that were done on this film over the course of its long gestation period.
1: Well, the writer of this film is actually famous for writing comic books. Uh, he did a lot of X-Men in the 90s and other stuff after 2000. Like That kind of only got that far because I don't really know a lot of comic books. The only... Is it Joss Whedon? No. <laughs> no. His name is uh, Scott Lobdell. Lobdell? Uh, The only significant film credit that I could find to his name (laughs) was a story credit on the movie Man of the House, not the Jonathan Taylor Thomas one with Chevy Chase in the 90s, rather the Tommy Lee Jones one with Monica Kena where he is protecting cheerleaders at the University of Texas. Yes,
0: and the face that I was making at both of those films is not good.
1: <laughs> uh, I saw Man of the House in theaters. I think it came out on my birthday when I was in high school.
0: No, yeah, uh, you're a big Jonathan Taylor Thomas fan, are you?
1: No, no, the Tommy Lee Jones one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't but, know which answer would have been better, but I, I don't know. I feel either. like the
1: JTT version <laughs> would have been more acceptable. Yeah, for sure. So our lead actress is actually Jessica Roth, who doesn't have a lot of credits to her name, but most people may know her from La La Land. Super bit part, but she's in the uh, the musical dance sequence at the Hollywood party, Someone in the Crowd, which is one of the best scenes in that movie. By far. And she's also known for a MTV TV show called Mary Plus Jane, which I have never heard of before. Yeah, that's... Skip over that. <laughs> okay. Uh so that's really kind of it for, you know, famous people in this movie. Um Matthew Modine's daughter is in it as her roommate. And then AKA,
0: the killer. What? Her roommate, the killer.
1: Oh. <laughs> I didn't know what you said. Uh, Spoiler alert, by the way, her roommate is the killer. Although, if you've already seen the trailer for Happy Death Day to you, then you've already been spoiled anyway, because she totally tells you that in the trailer. And then, uh, I guess he's kind of famous with the YA crowd, but Israel Broussard, who was in the recent To All the Boys I've Loved Before.
0: Mm -hmm. If you listen to my other podcast, you would know all about it.
1: I did want to tell you that I did listen to your Scott Pilgrim episode this week, as well as your episode on the amazing netflix show sex education so oh, yeah listeners please listen to joe's other podcast which has a lot of names in it
0: what- it's true it's called hazel and katniss and harry and star because they're all
1: y.a protagonists Yes, so um, I'm not sure if our audience is going to go for that. But if you are interested in YA adaptations, please go listen to that podcast.
0: I contain multitudes, but it's not for everybody.
1: So, Joe, can you please explain to our listeners what Happy Death Day is about?
0: All right, here we go. On the clock, 30 seconds. The film follows Tree, a mean-spirited college student. As the film opens, she awakens in the bed of a socially inferior guy named Carter and does a quick walk of shame back to the Kappa sorority house. There we meet her bitchy president, Danielle, and her roommate, Lori, who offers her a birthday cupcake that Tree does not eat. Later, we learn that Tree is sleeping with her married teacher, Dr. Gregory Butler, and avoiding her father's calls. That night, Tree encounters a detour en route to a surprise birthday party, and she is killed by someone wearing the mask of the high school mascot, Babyface. She immediately... By the way, Babyface... I, (laughs) I know. She immediately wakes up, back in Carter's bed, and repeats the day. This time, she avoids the detour, but is killed at the party. In the third loop, Tree locks herself in her room, but is still murdered. Eventually, she confides in Carter and attempts to discover the identity of Babyface. By process of elimination and a fun montage of deaths, Tree crosses off secretly gay Tim, Dr. Butler's wife Stephanie, and Danielle as suspects. Eventually, she figures out that escaped killer John Toombs is behind the murderers, and she lives a perfect day that ends with a climactic battle where she defeats him. To her surprise, however, she still dies. It is only upon realizing that she ate Lori's poisoned cupcake in her last life th- that she discovers her roommate is the true killer because Lori was also having an affair with Dr. Pants. They battle in their dorm room and Tree kicks Lori out the window to her death. The film ends with the supposition that Tree has broken the loop. She and Carter begin dating.
1: You almost did that perfectly. You just like in that home stretch, you just kind of fucked it up just a tiny bit. But you're good. <laughs> I had a lot of cupcake in my mouth. I'm starting
0: to feel a little faint.
1: <laughs> so this movie, I really, really like this movie. And if you're listening to this and you haven't seen it, sorry, we just spoiled it for you. But it's really good. It's so fun. It's just way better than I expected it to be. And even on a rewatch, I must say it holds up. It's, it oh, has yeah. lost, it's lost some of its luster, but, you know, as with any movie will. But it's just so entertaining and fun. What were your thoughts, Joe?
0: I didn't see this movie in the theaters. I had heard really good reviews about it and I was anxious to see it, but I couldn't find anyone to go and see it with me. So then I was just like, meh, I'll just wait and see it on video because it doesn't look like it's going to be that great. Fast forward to me watching it on video and I freaking loved it. Like it's, it's actually really, really good. I think that the marketing did drop the ball a little bit on it because it made it seem just very generic. Kind of unmemorable, but you're absolutely right, Jessica. How do we pronounce her last name? Roth. I. Roth.
1: You know, I, I have said Roth. It could be Roth. It could be Rothy. So, but I've been saying Roth. So I'm going to say that's the correct way to say it.
0: Okay, let's go with Roth. So Jessica Roth is. Absolutely amazing in this role. I remember yesterday when we were both doing the rewatch, you messaged me and said, this movie would fall apart without her. And at the time I was like, no, you just insert any old bitchy actress in here and it would be fine. But upon reflection, I think you're right. I really do think that this is the perfect marriage of actress and material, and she really helps to elevate it and and sell Tree's arc from really nasty mean girl through to the redeemed nice girl that you can actually cheer for.
1: She does. And I actually say that because with the redemptive arc. So there is a plot point involving her father that is not brought up like fully. I mean, so the dad is calling her throughout the whole movie. Every time she wakes up on when a new day starts. Her dad is calling her to wish her a happy birthday, and she always ignores the call. Except for one day, which, by the way, is 20 minutes before the movie ends, she goes Mm -hmm. and meets her dad for lunch. And they kind of resolve this thing where she, you know, her mom died, and she put her dad at a distance, and that's why she's been kind of a bitch to everyone this whole time is because she's been upset that her mom dies. And it's really rushed. So I do think that it's either a script issue or there was more before it that was cut out in post-production. But... Luckily, we do have Jessica Roth giving us this performance, and while it doesn't fully succeed on that emotional beat, for me at least, it mostly works.
0: Yeah, it's a little tricky, because there's there's little nuggets. You're right, she's constantly dodging his calls, and at one point, you know, you do find out from the roommate Lori that the day is hard for Tree, because this is the day that she shared the, her birthday with her mother, and her mother has not so recently passed i think it's what a year or two years
1: yes and actually and i i could be totally wrong here but is it is her birthday also her mom's death day is that maybe is that a thing oh a i thought of, it was that they shared the same birthday maybe that's it that could be it ooh i'm so sorry i i just watched that. It's <laughs> like recently and I don't remember.
0: Here's the thing. The reason that we're entering a fugue state trying to remember this is because it's easily the least interesting plot point in the entire film.
1: It like is. It's,
0: it's the part where if they cut out a section of the film and it was this one, you probably wouldn't even really notice.
1: I agree with that, honestly, because she she becomes a good person. Like she makes that transition before she even talks to her dad, which might be a mistake. I mean, either way, yeah, it is it, it's a nice be it's a nice intent, but it doesn't really fit in with the rest of the film but and actually kind of going on to her as a character so i i, I have a friend uh who writes for the website i horror and he really really dislikes this movie and his no. name yes and every time I talk about how much I like it, he's just like it's terrible and one of his main I'm f- leaning
0: forward in anticipation for you spilling this tea
1: <laughs> it's nothing terrible and like I mean i i one hundred percent disagree with him but his main concern his complaint is that all of the characters are incredibly unlikable, and oh
0: no Mm-mm-mm. I know, and no. I
1: totally disagree. I'm not gonna go too much into it with about him because i obviously he's not here to like say his piece, but I bring it up because he's not the first person that I have seen say this. And this is when the trailer for the second movie came out. I I remember I was in the bloody comments and people were like, she was just a bitch the whole time. She was terrible. She wasn't even like a likable character. I couldn't get on board with her and blah, 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 blah. And it kind of goes back to what we were discussing in our Scream episode with Gail Weathers about how some audience members can't
0: connect. They just can't get behind a bitch.
1: At all. But but it's interesting, though, because unlike Gail Weathers, this girl does redeem herself, but I think maybe for some people it happens too quickly or unbelievably, which makes it, I don't know, harder to connect with her. I mean, trust me, I don't see it. I don't understand this at all. I, I think she's great. And even when she's being a bitch, like, it's, it's not like she's a super mean girl like Danielle is.
0: Yeah, see, that's exactly where I was going to go with this, because to me... You could actually excise Danielle from this entire movie, and it wouldn't really affect too much, except for the fact that Danielle is clearly meant to be the even worse version of Tree, right? Like, mm-hmm. if Tree continues on her It's a Wonderful Life path, she will turn into a Danielle, and she will become the ultimate mean girl, bitch, sorority president. But, you know... and. And to me, the, the big transition is when she, they do, they have that lunch where they're supposed to be deciding which charity they're going to sponsor, and they're not yeah. going to do the disabled kids art practice again. Mm-hmm. But she actually stands up for the other girl. Becky. Becky. Thank you. <laughs> Who again is like a nothing character. Like I think we literally only see her in that one scene. Repeatedly. No, we
1: we only see her bring that lunch <laughs> and get like, told up. No, I, it's I was Becky with the
0: good lunch.
1: I was I wasn't kidding when I said so I, I have three pages of notes. And one of these pages, half of it are all the deaths and like what time their timestamp in the movie because I'm a nerd like that. And oh, the other the other half of the page is Danielle's lines. And I love how like danielle changes her lines on that breakfast line so listeners basically becky comes to lunch (laughs) with the poor becky
0: becky missed breakfast and she needs to eat lunch and And danielle just rips into her
1: and she she's late to this meeting though and and danielle's like becky what are you doing i miss breakfast like the first one is like what is breakfast becky Uh, <laughs> uh, or like we all miss breakfast, Becky. Uh, it's so good. Anyway, so wait—the turning point, though, you were saying is the scene with Becky. Well, I think I mean
0: there's a number of different opportunities for Tree to to prove that she has grown as an individual, but that to me is one of the really easy visual signifiers when she not only stands up for Becky, but when she actively turns against Danielle by pouring the chocolate milk over her head and making her cry. And
1: well, and it, it's also so. Because trees for the first like uh, third probably for the first half of the movie is yeah she's not a super happy likable person obviously she she's kind of a bitch in the beginning and obviously as she starts dying and reliving the same day over and over she gets more and more frustrated and it, it really honestly isn't until the amazing mid movie montage set to Demi Lovato's confidence that mm-hmm. you really start to kind of at least for me connect with her and enjoy seeing her. And then once she realizes who the ki- or who she thinks the killer is in uh, tombs, she also like, you know, that's the day that she kind of does everything right. Yeah, it's her perfect day. Yes, which makes it even more depressing that it gets erased.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's a couple of things where this movie ends and you're like, mm, this plot point didn't quite work for me or that never went anywhere. But also... No one would understand why she's suddenly just a completely different person because she doesn't have this nice day where she actually treats everybody nicely again.
1: I know. Well, and also it's because like, so there were a couple of things. Where it was like, wait, wait, wait. I mean, again, this is a movie where you have to suspend disbelief quite a bit. I mean, obviously this is a time travel movie we're talking about, but so she has her suspect list and every time I was like, so does she just? Rewrite because the montage she rewrites
0: (laughs) the full list and crosses out the people that she's already eliminated from the previous day.
1: Yes, and the montage (laughs) is as if it's like one day happening, but she dies like four times in this montage and it's in very amusing ways. Very amusing ways. I mean, and they're all shot and edited very hilariously to the point where it almost seems like Tree is kind of like just going with it. Even when she dies, like there's like a I think there's a moment when she gets stabbed and like the camera just pans to her face and she just looks so hilariously defeated it's not like a sad defeated
0: yeah she's just kind of like ah jesus this again
1: (laughs) yes oh that was something else too that my friend didn't like he said that the mask was stupid and the movie took it too seriously and that the movie didn't seem to be in on the joke that it was selling which i also disagree with I mean, I'll
0: confess that I think the mask is interesting, right? Because it's kind of iconic. Like, it's it's highly visually memorable to the point that, you know, when you see the advertisements for the sequel and the baby face mask is prominently center stage. Like, Tree is not on that poster at all. It's baby face. Right. (laughs) I'm sorry. I can't not laugh every time I say it. Um, Baby face. Baby face. But it's... (sighs) It's an interesting piece, right? Because so often in slasher films, as we talked about on Scream, you typically end up getting an iconographic costume that everyone could hypothetically have so like there's one point where she goes into Cheaty dr mchotbod there mm-hmm. she opens his drawer and he just randomly has the mask
1: oh yeah and i was like
0: come on well, like movie no you are you are not actually trying to make everybody a suspect because i also
1: want to know like why this mascot for this school is a baby Like a butt tooth baby or snaggle tooth baby. Why? Why? Yeah, it's I mean,
0: it's great. And I kind of love it. And I feel like the movie itself is acknowledging this is ridiculous. So I, again, disagree with your friend.
1: Um, (laughs) Well, and so tiny little bit of tribute that I found out, though, is that um, they were when they were trying to figure out what what kind of a mask to use. uh, The director, Christopher Landon, scared someone i want to say his brother his friend his roommate something something or scared a co-worker lover something uh he's actually married with kids but we will touch on him in a bit but no he scared his co-worker i think with the baby face mask and that's what made him decide to use it
0: which is funny because i find nothing scary about the baby face mask
1: i know he probably just jumped out from behind a fridge and was like oh it wasn't because i jumped out from behind a fridge it was because the mask was scary also though the mask was created by the same guy who created the ghost face mask Yeah, I know. So yeah, I mean, I guess we got off of Tree's Journey, but Tree's Journey, (laughs) for me, (laughs) is very believable. Yes, it's kind of rushed a little bit, but man, Roth just sells the fuck out of it, and I am... I I mean, I'm in every minute of her scenes, and I think she's actually in every scene of this movie. Uh,
0: Yeah, I think so, too.
1: Whatever weaknesses the script may have, and it's not a perfect script. I mean, there are some issues and whatever, but honestly, with any kind of time travel film, I stop thinking.
0: Well, and I actually like that the film doesn't even attempt to address why is it happening. Like, to me, that is a wormhole that is not going to be narratively satisfying because it just draws attention to the idea of time travel. So I appreciate the fact that rather than her being like, how do I stop this time loop by figuring out what the time loop is? She's just like, I'm stuck in this motherfucking time loop and I want to avoid dying for a 17th time.
1: Well, just so you know, I think that's what the sequel is about. <laughs> <laughs> well, fuck. I know. I'm fairly certain that's a thing. So... One of the reasons that we picked this movie, um, besides the fact that the sequel opens up, opens today, and Mm -hmm. that it features a wonderfully bitchy girl, is that the director, Christopher Landon, is a gay man. And he actually did work in a gay character into the script, which I wonder if maybe that's his uncredited rewrite, because I have an interview here that I'll address in a minute, but where he mentions including the closet gay character and didn't get any pushback from Blumhouse on it. And that's not the same kind of experience he's had with other studios.
0: And in case people are forgetting, it's Tree has been on an unmemorable date to Subway with Tim, who she discovers during her montage is into gay pornography.
1: And her reaction... (laughs) her reaction is great because she looks at him and she she looks confused and then she just goes oh but it's it's silent because you're we're on the other side of the window is tree and it's it's just so funny and again that's that's jessica roth just being fucking awesome
0: yeah she looks like oh that's so adorable and then later on she tells him to go and be happy and find a man
1: yes and i would argue not super like relevant to anything that's going on and one thing I kind of want, so okay, yeah, so before we get to the director, this particular plot point, I, I appreciate it because it- it- it's just a moment of inclusion. You know, I, I could see someone, you know, who is not you know, an ally saying, well, you're just shoving it down our throats. What well, was the point of including that? Because there's no narrative, <laughs> <laughs> there's no narrative reason to include it. And what was actually really, really interesting, he mentions the subplot with Tim. And he says, okay. you know, Universal was awesome. Jason Blum was the best. Um, the love that I got to tuck in a message about helping someone come out of the closet and not be afraid of who they are. It was so nice to be able to do that in a movie and not have any pushback or concern. And he actually got a tweet from a viewer who just saw the movie in the theater. And the tweet said to Christopher Landon, he said he'd always been unsure of himself and uncomfortable in his own skin. And then the, that moment happened in the film where Tree discovers him watching gay porn. And he saw audience members actually cheering and applauding. And he realized that maybe it wasn't as scary like coming out as he thought it was going to be. Now, it's super, super sweet, and it's great that a movie can do something like this. I would argue that the cheering was not actually for him coming out, but more for Jessica (laughs) Rose's reaction to it. But, I mean, so, things like that. That's why, even though this scene has no narrative importance whatsoever, it could be cut out and it would not make one difference except that you'd lose a red herring.
0: Um, Yeah, but interestingly enough, this movie is really not based around... Red herrings. Like, I was looking at it the, on this rewatch and it occurred to me that she discovers all these different things about people, but none of them actually preclude anyone from being the killer. Like, she literally watches Dr. Mikati Pants, uh, his wife, walking across the quad and she's just like,
1: hmm. It's not that. And then she gets drowned. <laughs> and it's like,
0: that doesn't prove, except for the fact that you just got attacked by somebody else, that Using her walk
1: doesn't make her not a killer. <laughs> and she's in full-blown camo while she does this like she's like, got her face painted and she's wearing camo. It's the f- funniest thing yeah, I love that she took that time yeah, Oh, yeah, for sure. So but she but, is a
0: sorority girl. she's got to play that part.
1: Yes. Tell me
0: more about the director.
1: So I found this article uh, and actually I actually want to credit sorry the, the quote that I, uh, that I just quoted was from an iHorror horror article written by a Jordan in last last June actually so it's a very, very recent so it's um, after the first one was made, they were in the middle of filming the second movie. And he got to interview Christopher Landon. And uh, basically, you know, he goes on to say, I want people who see my movies to know that the guy who comes up with that weird fucked up stuff in that movie they like is also gay. He is a gay man who is also a husband and a father. And he kind of goes on to say that he likes to cram in as many gay things as possible into his movies. I don't, I mean, this movie I kind of get, I don't remember Scout Scott of the Zombie Apocalypse enough to tell you if that's correct or not. Although he said mm. that there was studio pushback on that movie because um, Scott Leigh obsessed with Dolly Parton and a homeless man leads a Britney Spears sing-along. So that is in that movie, apparently. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. But he did get, like he said that the studio didn't outwardly push back, but there were definitely things like they never said, Oh, you can't make this movie too gay, but there were hesitations over those gay aspects that he could sense. But, His biggest thing, and this is what's shocking to me, so he doesn't list the movie or the studio, but he basically says, there was a casting disagreement and a decision for a role. Landon had a definite idea of who the character was and who the actress should be, but a studio executive disagreed. He was interested in the performance, and they were interested in the way she looked. So a studio exec in front of everyone else in the room says, yeah, but you don't even know what a hot girl is. And Landon replied, why? Because I'm gay? And the whole room went silent shit talk about a mic drop it's real yeah it's for real and you know the executive froze he attempted to backtrack but he basically goes yeah the damage was done and landon wasn't finished and he, he just goes i was furious i told him don't think for a second that a gay man doesn't know what a hot woman is there was a long history of gay men helping women look hot i mean i know this isn't really relevant to this particular movie but it's shocking that i mean i say it's shocking
0: <laughs> but it's really oh, not shocking." It's unfortunately not shocking, but kudos to him. Like that kind of behavior could easily get you into the kind of trouble where people would say, oh, they're difficult to work with or they're too outspoken. So that's like a huge fucking professional risk that he took in saying something like that in an open atmosphere in Mm -hmm. front of a bunch of people like brass balls.
1: And, you know, I've met Jason Blum twice. I've actually interviewed him twice and he seems okay, like. Okay,
0: Trace, we get it. You're like a big star. <laughs>
1: no, 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 no. I mean, he, he seems like a great guy. But clearly, I mean, because Landon says he never got any pushback from Blum on, you know, the inclusion of Tim at Happy Death Day, which may not seem like a big deal because it's not a really important part of the movie. But a major studio, and at the time, and a date, 10 years ago, a studio probably would have said, mm, you know, it's a little risky to have a gay character coming out and be accepting in your movie. Also, for to have your protagonist find him watching gay porn. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, you need to cut that out. You can't do that in your movie. So it kind of makes me respect Jason Blum a lot more that, you know, Landon clearly feels comfortable with him.
0: Yeah. And I mean, even as we're saying, oh, the the piece with Tim is not integral to the storyline, you're absolutely right that even just the inclusion and the acceptance of that inclusion, that's a really important piece. Like, it's nice to just be like, oh, hey, there's a gay character in this movie. And guess what? It's not a big fucking deal. Like, I feel like that's what we as out queers are seeking we're not you know like would it be great if tree was a big old lesbian and this was her narrative and she ends up with a girl like she and danielle like end up hooking up at the end of the film sure whatever but that's not the movie we're seeing so to still see a gay character in there is great like it's it's encouraging it's a step forward
1: well and what's interesting obviously anyone who is an anti you know, queer is never going to be happy with anything because even with this little bit, they're going to say, Oh, well, you know, why do you have to have that? There's no point. But then if we did have the storyline though, where it is like, you know, tree's a big old lesbian and she's, you know, going out with Danielle by the end of the movie, then it's like, Oh, well, you're shoving it down our throats. I I think people lose the humanity. The fact that just like that, that little anecdote with the, with the audience member tweeting him saying, you know, this made me feel better. It made me feel like coming out wasn't as scary as I thought it was going to be in the pantheon
0: of gay representation it's not like this is crazy adventurous or all that i mean it's it's great for what it is but it's not anything compared to like a bunch of other like really heavily queer texts but it still touched that one person it made a difference in someone's life
1: you know maybe there were a bunch of others too but e- even for just one person because for a group this queer uh, this this queer community <laughs> the queer community whose suicide rates are very very high If a movie like this, even just seeing someone like you treated normally, treated like they're a human being in a movie, or a horror movie especially, because as we have discussed in the past, you know, the queer community just tend to gravitate towards horror, uh, which I also want to touch on a bit. But you could save a life with that, just with something as nonchalant as this Tim character's, you know, minor arc in Happy Death Day. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. This will be the last thing that I quote from Landon, but um, he actually says, you know, there are a lot of queer people working in in the horror business, and I don't think it's surprising. For me, it was a coping mechanism. I had so much fear inside of me, and writing horror helped exercise some of that. Uh, It's been very cathartic. And I think – I mean, I I, I think we touched on this in our intro episode, but I think that's part of the reason why I've always gravitated towards horror, too. And I don't mean to say that to, like, you know, steal his words – but I think it's an interesting facet of this community.
0: I mean, I we've talked about it not just in that introductory episode, but I think all throughout the articles on Bloody as well. There is something about horror that attracts queer people. And I think part of it is that conflict, that cathartic working through of different issues. And the fact that horror films often address seminal moments that can be horrific. So it can be family gatherings, it can be puberty, it can be thinking that you found the right partner and finding out that they in fact are not. And it takes it obviously to extreme places, but there's something reassuring about going the distance with some of these characters and working through the trauma and coming out on the other side.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So happy death day.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I guess we got off the movie for a bit.
0: <laughs> Let's bring a little levity into the proceedings. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm I'm super glad that we had that conversation and I want to continue having it. Like I I want to continue to use the podcast to talk about some of those important things.
1: Well, I mean, because like, honestly, that that's kind of my hope as to what this podcast can do is you know by giving a queer voice into this horror community that you know someone might listen to us and be like oh my god they're just like me and you know i'm not saying we'll save a life or anything but you know if we do that's
0: And in the meantime, let's talk about the many ways that Tree dies in this film, and which one we find the most entertaining.
1: She dies 10 times.
0: Although she says that she's died 16, so there's at least six that we never got to see.
1: I think that's just an exaggeration. So, I'm assuming you don't have a rundown of all her deaths? I do in fact <gasps> you can go you can do it I'll give it to you
0: I mean many of them are quite similar so correct me if I've missed one okay. so I've got she dies on the first day from a stabbing to what I presume is the head
1: I assumed it was a throat slash but you could be totally right or maybe like a, a, a knife in the mouth
0: yeah this is where the PG-13 rating comes into play right we don't yeah. actually get to see any kind of a penetration so. there
1: there is one instance where you do see the knife in her body in her stomach uh, yes yeah, so it's
0: when she She gets stabbed outside of Tim's house.
1: Yes, exactly. That's what you get for watching gay porn. (laughs) Not really, but not really.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Listeners, that is not true. It's not I had both watched a lot of porn. Never been stabbed.
1: Wait, 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 wait. Not together. <laughs> we, we and we also don't watch a lot. We watch the appropriate, healthy amount of porn. Not this. Oh my wrong.
0: gosh! No, I can actually never get Trace to start recording on time. I'm like Trace, can you please put away the Bellamy? <laughs> oh my God, Bellamy! You know what that is? Good for you. You love them twinks. You said I, it. You said know. it on the I podcast. Do
1: love the twinks. Not not that there's anyone watching a lot of porn or twink porn. Whatever kind of porn you want to watch, however much you want to watch, it's totally fine. Uh, backtracking. Uh, oh. You're I'm just digging, trying to cover your tracks. So I'm much. Digging, I'm digging a hole. So okay. Uh, so the second, second death, death. <laughs> <laughs> the
0: second death, she is stabbed in the mouth with a bong.
1: Yes, and I love that one. I think that one's super fun. Again, would we'll be better if we could see it, but whatever.
0: We're gonna circle back to that. So keep that in your mind. The third day, I just have that she is stabbed in her dorm room. It's kind of an unmemorable death, and I sort of wish that they had a varied it at this point because it's a lot of stabbing to the face.
1: Well, I think in this one though she's stabbed in the gut because I, I think it shows the knife go through the door. Does that mm. happen? Does that sound right?
0: I Maybe. Don't know.
1: But but I I have stabbed with a knife, third death, thirty eight minutes in.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'll admit, I find I find the third death day where she just kinda stays in. And I'm like, hmm. It's a bit of a like, yeah, you have to do it, but also boring. Um, okay, then if I recall, we have the montage and I think I may be missing one, but I have her stabbed in the gut at Tim's house, yeah. drowned in the pool while she's watching Stephanie and then hit by a truck with Danielle, which is the only time that we get to see someone. No, it's
1: a bus. There's this
0: one and then the time.
1: Yeah, no. So you're right. Yeah. She stabbed outside Tim's house. She gets drowned. She gets tackled into this fountain. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And it's such a funny visual gag. And yeah, then she drowns. Uh, she wakes up, of course, you know, coughing up on the water. And then, yeah, she, <laughs> she, just, <laughs> she's walking with Danielle down the street and just calls her a bitch and pushes her into the street and they start fighting.
0: Yeah, because she assumes that Danielle is the killer.
1: <laughs> yes. And then she just gets they get hit by a bus and that she wakes up.
0: So after the montage, then the days start to go longer again. So this is the one where she is in the hospital. She... Escapes from the hospital. She has the stolen vehicle that she then gets stopped by the police
1: car. You're missing then... one. Wait, 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 wait. You skipped. Oh, am I? One. Okay. There is one more theme of the montage, it's when she gets a baseball bat to her head.
0: Right. Yes, because it's that iconic image from the trailer where she gets hit and then the camera follows her as her face hits the pillow, which I love.
1: Yes, no, it's great. Yeah, I mean, I think Landon does a totally fine job directing this movie. There isn't like a lot of style in it, but that moment's really, really cool. Yeah, that one I felt like the
0: bong, had it had the better rating, or the better rating, showing my cards, uh, (laughs) if it had had the R rating, I think probably also would have been a a particularly memorable death.
1: And you do know that this script was written for an R rating, right?
0: I mean, they all are. I I know. They walk it back. I know. Okay, so she gets blown up in the exploding police car. And this is when the movie
1: gets to use its one fuck.
0: Oh, is it? When she's in the trapped in the back
1: yes because she sees the the killer light the candle and she just goes oh fuck and then she blows up which not the best place i I, honestly if you're a pg-13 movie and you have to kill someone like i think that the best fuck is when you are like when she she, when she's shoving that cupcake in laurie's mouth that's when you use your fuck but
0: yeah typically you would wait until the near climax right
1: yes so it was a bit of an odd choice also, this is apparently the moment where you're supposed to realize that Lori's the killer because the killer lights a birthday candle, mm. which was a okay. cupcake. Sure. I don't know. That's the way. <laughs> I'm not that savvy. <laughs> I, 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 I didn't get it either, but I read that somewhere on the internet. I'll be honest.
0: I was By this point, when she has zeroed in on Tombs as the killer, it never even occurred to me that anybody else would be, which just proves to me that this is a very effective plot twist by having her think these sort of final two days so there's this day and then there's the perfect day where she's like okay it's tombed i'm gonna sorry no it's not these two it's the day where she finds out it's tombs which is i've got her hanging herself in the elevator shaft
1: oh because he um because carter
0: has been killed
1: yeah but i I think it's a clock tower sorry yes i mean again i wrote hanged hanged herself in the clock tower and yeah this is after the the car blows up so that's death Mm -hmm. number nine
0: yeah So she hangs herself, and then she has her perfect day, and then she is poisoned by a cupcake, and that is the final death we see. Yeah,
1: that's the 10th death, so we're good. And in the trailer for the second one, she says she she died 11 times, so I'm assuming the 11th death is probably the one that opens the second movie? I don't know. It
0: seems reasonable. Well, I was going to ask, okay, so you mentioned that you think the Bong death would have been better with an R rating, but I... Particularly in this film, because Tree is the only person that we ever see killed, do you think that we would have as much empathy or the film would work as effectively if we were repeatedly seeing her die in the really, really graphic, gory ways?
1: This movie is purely the team because they wanted extra money. This was not a creative, like, message decision <laughs> to not show her die a bunch. <laughs> but it kind of, like goes against the grain like the argument that some people have about horror where it's like oh it's just about watching a bunch of bimbos you know get massacred in brutal ways the movie directly goes against that mm-hmm. and i guess for that it can be commended and as to whether the film would work as well or not for someone like me it would but for your average film goer probably not and when i say average film goer i mean an average film goer who yeah. Doesn't like seeing a lot of blood and gore, I guess. But then why would those people go see this movie? I don't really know. Well, because I think as we've
0: seen, so we talked about this briefly in our Patreon episode on Escape Room. But I think also the some of the discussions that have been circulating around Bird Box, where there is an appetite among, I'm using uh-huh. air quotes, average film goers uh, who are not necessarily hardcore horror fans, but can be enticed to go and see an occasional horror film. I think sometimes that PG-13 rating is directed towards them, where it's like, you're not going to see these really hardcore kills, but you're still going to see something that's going to make you go, ooh, that's scary, and like, clutch at the arm of your date, or whatever they do in 1950s malt shop Archie Comics.
1: I still would have liked to see more gore. Cause I, I walked into this movie fully expecting to be like, this is going to be a watered down movie. And while it is that, because the rest of the movie is so good, it doesn't bother me. Much like an escape room, which mm-hmm. bear in mind though, this is a way better movie than escape room is. But neither one of these movies are hurt by the fact that. Yes, it, agreed. It isn't gory, even though this is a premise that lends itself to gore. And I didn't like, what what are some PG-13 slashers? Oh, gosh. Um... The only one I can think of, and uh, spoiler alert for a early 2000s movie for this, is uh, Cry Wolf, but it makes sense because in the end of the movie, it's revealed that all the death... It was like an April Fool's Day. I mean, it, it wasn't April Fool's Day, but it was the exact same twist as April Fool's Day, where it was like all fake.
0: So like, I Know What You Did Last Summer and Urban Legend and all those, those are all R?
1: All of them are, but also, those films get their R rating more from the use the word fuck because again you say fuck more than twice it's an r rating uh unless unless you're as good as it gets when you can say it three times for some reason i don't know why oh my
0: gosh the american rating system just boggles my mind see it's fun because in canada we actually have an intermediary rating or sorry an intermediate rating so we have pg which is basically any family film with even slightly mature content. And then we have a 14A, which means no children under 14 are allowed. And that's usually what your soft R's are. And yeah. then R in Canada is like, if you've got sex and violence up the wazoo, and then it's like, you're not meant to be in here unless you're accompanied by an adult.
1: Well, so do you all kind of follow the European theme though, where it's like, like a movie like Cruel Intentions, is that 14A? Yes. Okay, yeah. So, so like, dialogue is not going to make it an 18. No. If, if there's no violence, if there's a lot of sex, is it going to make it 18?
0: Sex is often more of a barometer than hard language. Like, I remember there was controversy when 8mm came out because there was deliberation around whether or not it should be an R or if it should be, like, something even more strong. Like, we have an X rating, but I don't think it's ever been used like might have been used for something like i spit on your grave or what's that porn movie that was really popular in the 70s oh deep throat yeah like those kinds of things where you're like like no one should be seeing these movies but no it's like to be honest 90 percent of your r-rated films come out in canada as 14a yeah
1: that that doesn't surprise me because america is really harsh on sex um if there's a lot of sex i mean any sex, it's got to be rated R. I, I, I do wish we, because we have PG 13. i It's just, you know, it's PG 13. I guess, like, yeah, so y'all don't have PG 13 there. It's PG 14A, which, why is there an A?
0: It's, or accompanied by an adult.
1: Oh. Uh, so is that a legal thing there, or is that just like a thing that movie theaters do?
0: We have a ratings board.
1: Okay, but like, it's, If a theater chooses not to enforce that rating, it's not like against the law or anything, right?
0: (sighs) I don't know if they have a license that could get revoked. I mean, it's not like there's secret men and women who go undercover to verify the legal ages of any patrons, but you you are meant to check people's IDs as the person selling the ticket. But I mean, this is like me talking as the person who worked in the (laughs) secondhand theater back in the late 90s. So now that they have automated ticket systems everywhere, I mean, you're not going to make can usher check your id as you go in
1: that's true well i worked at a movie theater in the late 2000s and they uh yeah i remember people would always be like oh like it you it's against the law for you to like, parents would tell their children it's against the law for you to go in there uh, if you if you don't have an adult and i was like well not really um that's yeah. more of a guideline <laughs> than it is yeah, a law
0: it's a it's a suggestion
1: <laughs> yeah exactly that was a diversion <laughs> I this just, is MPAA talk. We're all trying... It's the it's educational podcast.
0: Yes. Please give this to your younger siblings if they want to learn about Bellamy porn, and give them to your teacher oh if you were teaching in primary school.
1: So, yeah. I mean, either way, back to what you were saying, though. I, 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 still, I still think the film would have been effective watching her die over and over and over. However, that would also feed into anti-horror people's argument that horror is just about seeing like women get brutalized. And... Because we would be seeing effectively this, this same woman get killed in a lot of different ways, it would kind of feed their argument. So I guess on that level, I'm glad that it's not rated R.
0: Yeah, I'll accept that. I mean, I completely agree with you. I don't think this film is hurt by not being R rated, but I do think some of the kills would have been more enjoyable as a horror lover who enjoys a good amount of gore. I think some of them could have done with a bit more blood and viscera.
1: No, I mean, Totally. I would have welcomed that with open arms. And the sequel looks like it's going even crazier with her deaths, although it looks like a lot of it's just her jumping off of things.
0: <laughs> this is true. She does, she does always need to get a, some moment of, uh, partial or full nudity where she gets to like wave cheekily at someone. <laughs>
1: yes and but and that is one thing too because you know the the only true moment of like where she's just like going nuts is kind of during that montage in this movie and the reason i'm excited for the sequel is because it looks like it's just the montage spread out over the whole movie
0: (laughs) okay so tell me what do you hope to see in the sequel
1: This doesn't sound terrible. I could literally just do more of the same. Clearly, the the, sequel is not doing that. The sequel is going bigger and better, and it's expanding this universe. I really just want to see Roth cut loose, and that's really it, honestly. That's all I need. Like That's all this movie needs to do to win me over.
0: I'm intrigued to see how the rules of the game will change, because the trailers make it clear, and if you're very spoiler-reversed, I mean, don't turn us off, but maybe skip forward a couple of minutes. Um,
1: 30 seconds. Skip forward 30 seconds.
0: There we go. Oh. Um It's clear in the trailers that the killer is now targeting multiple people. So it's not just Tree who's at risk anymore. Now it's Carter. Now it's Carter's Asian roommate, who I'm not even sure we ever got his name. I'm actually hopeful... Or I'm excited to see how the rules will then change. Is it like if one of them dies, then everybody resets? Or is it like they can all die in a myriad of ways, but as long as she's alive, then the day will not reset? Because that could have some really serious implications. Like, is she going to have to do a a perfect day where she prevents everyone from dying?
1: Yeah, I think that's the whole uh, conceit, conceit, concept, whatever um yeah no because so basically if one person dies she then has to die otherwise if she you know makes it to the day that person will remain dead i think that's the whole like concept of the movie
0: that's high stakes right like in this movie there's one time where she kills carter and she's like oh gotta reset that whole day yeah amusingly now she doesn't seem to care too much about accidentally killing daniel in that one day but yeah i mean daniel's a big bitch so
1: well and it's at least because they clearly like thought about that when they were making this first one though and I, i didn't really watch any of the extra features and there's no commentary on the Blu-ray, but I I did see, heard or saw or read a clip where Landon basically said, like, he had an idea for something to use in this movie, but he decided to hold it off in in case a sequel could be made. And I'm like, you know what?
0: That's dicey. Like, that is risky business right there.
1: Right, but good for you. You planned that, so that way at least the sequel isn't just more of the same. Um, And Mm. I'm sure we'll dive into that once we finally see it. And, you know, fingers crossed it's good. So, hey. I want to talk about one thing. Uh, it might not be a long conversation, but... So, Danielle has a line, and I don't know if it's offensive or not, and I kind of need you to tell me if it is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like the the
0: simple fact that you're asking means it probably is.
1: I know. So, it's whenever she asks Tree something, and Tree's like, what? And she goes, Earth to space, bitch. And she goes, what? She goes, what time are you going to the party? Like, she yeah. talks like a deaf person, and... I think it's really funny, but is it offensive? It's
0: offensively funny.
1: Okay. So, like, it's one of those instances like the movie isn't approving of her behavior, because obviously she's a terrible, terrible person, but it's not something that you would just go around doing.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't condone it, and I think the only reason it works is because everyone should know that Danielle is such a huge bitch, so Mm -hmm. you're not meant to act like her. At the same time, yeah, I mean... Do you chuckle? Can you help yourself? If you find it funny, don't hate yourself for it. But yeah, don't don't take any life lessons from Danielle is what I'm saying.
1: Okay. I mean, not that I was asking for approval. <laughs> it, it's like, Trace, uh, do
0: we need to have a sit-down conversation <laughs> about how you're interacting with your colleagues?
1: No, 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 no. N- not to talk like that, but to laugh at it, you know? Because, you know, they're like, I mean, when I saw this in theaters, I laughed at that joke. And then I was like, wait, should I have laughed at that joke? But I'm glad that it's okay.
0: But well,
1: hey, I didn't want to that. <laughs> no, I
0: actually, I, I definitely picked up more on it The second time around, where I was like, ooh, Like that joke, which is clearly intended to be a joke, is cringy, and I kind of hope that. They don't do that kind of humor in the second film. Well, Danielle's in it. Which I'm excited for. I hope Danielle gets a bigger part. I hope that Tree's Asian uh, sorority sister, who's the just one who's- sitting outside minding her business.
1: <laughs> the whole movie.
0: The whole movie. The whole movie. Like, I want all of these bit characters to come back and have a bigger role or just be, like, meat fodder. But I would well- love to be surprised by the expansion of this cast.
1: Like, it's clear that Carter and his roommate will both have bigger roles. Mr. Fine Vagina. Is that what he's saying? Yeah, he goes. Did you get some of that fine vagina? Uh, see, that's also offensive. No, wait, how is that offensive? I mean, okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Because wait, 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 you're wait, wait, literally <laughs> reducing a woman to her fine vagina. Sorry, I thought you meant the term "vagina" was offensive. But no, no, no. I, I absolutely see how what he's. What he's saying is offensive. Yes, I totally get that. I do get that. Also, do-
0: this is the first time I think on the podcast that I've said the word vagina before you did.
1: Yay!
0: Gold star. So everybody drink.
1: Um I, I do like that that day though when she wakes up though and uh she just like spanks him and she's like, Naughty naughty boy. Which is really funny. So then hey, okay, I wanna jump into the ending and the reveal of Lori. Do you, okay. unless there's something else you want to talk about before that.
0: No, I feel like we are getting to the end, so tackling the end of the film is appropriate.
1: Good. So, you mentioned before how, yeah, you when Tombs is revealed to, quote-unquote, be the killer. It's kind of like, I think it's like halfway through the movie. You don't even think about the possibility of someone else being the killer. And yeah, I'm, I just stopped thinking about other people. <laughs> yeah, and I remember when it happened, though, I was thinking to myself, fuck, like, this is cool, but, like, I really hope that he's not, because it's going to be really kind because you know. I love Who and it was just kind of like a, a letdown that it was just some, I mean, kind of a letdown, but kind of clever that it was just a random person. And then mm-hmm. when they when they reveal Laurie, I was like, oh, that's, that's such a great bait and switch. And it's the exact same feeling I had when I was watching Sorority Row. And they bait and switch you with, you know, thinking it's the douchebag frat boy, and he does kind of go on a killing spree for a little bit. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, it's not really him. And this movie does that really well.
0: Yes, completely agree with that. Yeah, it's uh it does a really good job of misdirecting you and because they dedicate like fully two of her lives to this guy, you're like, "Oh, okay, the movie is selling it, so I'm buying it." Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden when she wakes up that final time, you're like, "Wait, what?" Also, I think because you don't even really like you don't see her eat the cupcake, so you don't even understand why initially something hasn't worked. You're like, "I don't get this anymore now i'm as confused as she is
1: i actually do hope that laurie gets more stuff to do in the sequel too because she is in it is she yeah She. i mean i don't know how much of it she's in but she's definitely in that trailer but hmm. did you notice that the one day that laurie did not give the cupcake to tree was the day she apologized to her
0: yeah so that's yeah. i mean that's I mean, an easy way to keep her right is to try to prove to laurie that tree is not a terrible person i guess or maybe say, oh, I broke it off with the uh, Dr. McCheedy pants. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and do you think, though, that so the, um, w- when, you know, she catches Lori and she realizes that it's the cupcake, do you think that final confrontation, which I think is amazing, do you think it works or do you think it's too goofy for the movie?
0: I think it's great. And I love how comically over the top their fight scene is because mm-hmm. it's not something you would expect having just seen her tackle this you know, hardcore serial killer, crazy man in the hospital. Like, you're not expecting her to have that same kind of battle with her roommate. (laughs) Yeah. Who's effectively a glorified candy striper.
1: So... And even the fact that, like, she kicks her out the window. Like, that is hilarious. Oh, swings from the light fixture (laughs) and swing kicks her out that window. It's great. Now, I do posit this to you, though. Is it bad that basically this entire movie... She's been getting murdered and like, it's basically been about two, this fighting over a guy.
0: Yeah. I mean, but I feel like she acknowledges that, like her, her disbelief when Laurie's like, you're sleeping with the hot doctor. And she's like, you're killing me over a guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then Laurie's like, and eh, cause you're a bitch. They're <laughs> just like, <laughs> these are both terrible reasons to kill
1: someone. Like, Laurie, <laughs> you are petty. <laughs> It's, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, I agree. I, I'm just trying to play devil's advocate here and be like, hmm, what problems could people have? I mean, cause this isn't a deep movie. You know, this is a total fun, fluff movie. This isn't high art we're talking about. But if you wanted to get down to the nitty gritty and like really analyze it, I could see how someone might say, well, it's really, they don't pass the Bechdel test because <laughs> it's all over a man. They're fighting over a man. But yes, Tree does acknowledge how stupid that is.
0: Well, and I like the fact that, there's that one scene where dr mcdreamy is like you know just tell me that you're not falling in love with me and she's like oh no (laughs) like that's not why i'm doing this so really i i kind of love the fact that tree honestly doesn't really have any of those connections to anybody i mean i think it's one of the things that the film is trying to establish that she doesn't have any true connections to anyone which is why the romance with carter is kind of sweet even if the actor, unfortunately, has encountered real-life issues.
1: Yep, I I know all about that, and uh, we won't go into it, but readers, just uh, go uh, Wikipedia Israel Broussard and click on the controversy link on that page. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit wah-wah. <laughs> it sucks. Uh, speaking of the Doctor's wife, though... Yeah, let's know... talk about that alternative ending. Yes, so... Because it sucks. <laughs> Joe, what happens
0: in the alternate ending? <laughs> okay so i did not know that there was an alternative ending is it alternate alternate ending it's
1: alternative is like
0: alternative alternative. is when tree is like rocking out in her indie punk band which is called jennifer's body uh she's the (laughs) lead singer (laughs) callback callback the alternate ending uh so there's an alternate ending on the dvd which you can also trace helpfully reminded me find on youtube and it's (laughs) awful so tree wakes up and I thought it was that the whole thing with Lori doesn't happen at all. But then I realized watching the scene, it's actually after... The whole thing with Lori still happens. Yeah. So Tree is in the hospital. The doctor has told her that she's very damaged. She needs to remain in bed. Her dad and Carter are there. She like thanks them and then sends them away, and that's all cute and everything. And then the doctor says, "You're not allowed to have any painkillers because, uh, you know, we need to keep you awake, and it could damage whatever." Like it's some bullshit reason. And then the nurse comes in and draws the curtain ominously across so that no one can see into the room and then she goes to administer something into tree's iv and tree's like no the doctor said no pain medication and ba-bam it's revealed to be uh dr mcdreamy's wife and she's like you thought you could sleep with my husband and get away with it and then she injects something that presumably kills tree and tree is like "Eh, shit and that's
1: the original ending. ending A, I love that you've given this, you've been trying to give this doctor a bunch of like clever nicknames. B, yeah, it, uh, test audiences hated this ending.
0: It's because it blows chunks. If you have not seen it, go and seek it out because it is mystifying that it was even written, much less shot, much less ever considered.
1: I mean, I guess because, well, that's the thing. It's a dark ending, but it goes completely against the tone of the rest of the movie, which is a very lighthearted, funny slasher movie. I mean, lighthearted. It's not super lighthearted. You know, they got that dad scene in there. But <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, it, it doesn't really work. And I mean, I guess theoretically you could just say, oh, her day starts over because it is the same day. But yeah, it 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 doesn't work. And I, I'm wondering if they were trying to tie that into the whole completely dropped subplot about how every time she dies, the um the scar tissue stays with her. And it, it basically it's like when the doctor does an x-ray on her, he sees all of it. And it's like, oh, that's that's a problem. Like you, it seems like you've been in a lot of accidents and then, Mm -hmm. you know, the next scene it's never mentioned again
0: yeah that to me stinks of something that was uh dropped from one rewrite to another but i am interested to see because i know a lot of people raise that and her list of potential killers raise those as the two kind of big glaring mistakes in the film i'm interested Mm -hmm. to see i mean who cares about the list whatever uh but i am interested to see if they just discard that or if they try to maybe bring it back in the sequel
1: well that's yeah the list is like one thing because honestly i would probably do that with that list too, because there's something nice about just seeing a full list and like, you know, oh, I've crossed off 75% of this list. It makes sense. I get that. But yeah, to bring up the major, like, oh, conflict, like the scar tissue, and not have it pay off in any shape or form, it's a little odd. It's a little suspect. Yeah. Alright, All right. so you
0: ready for the game?
1: Oh, yes. <laughs> okay. This is seven- you always forget about the inane <laughs> games, I <Trace>. know. <laughs> I know. Give me your game.
0: Okay. So this week, we're channeling Friend of the Pod, Kill by Kill podcast. And I would like you, since we spent the time to go through the 10 distinct deaths in the movie, I would like you to choose your own death venture, which is copyright Patrick Hamilton and Gina Radcliffe. (laughs) So which of the 10 deaths the tree experiences would you choose to die from, knowing that you will have to wear her clothes and suffer the fate and agony that she experiences?
1: What does wearing her clothes have to do with anything?
0: Well, I mean, like, if you get drowned, you're going to be discovered wearing really weird camouflage makeup (laughs) and that kind of stuff.
1: Um, I'm trying to think of, like, the way that I would want to go. Okay, I'm I'm trying to think of the fastest death, and I feel like hanging myself in a clock tower is probably the way. No, I want to eat that poison what no no, i want hanging yourself is not a fast way to go if it doesn't go right well but if it does your neck breaks no no no. i'm sorry i want ate that poison cupcake and die in my sleep boom ha okay it's not fun i mean like you know it's not fun to watch but it's the best way to go
0: true and that's the one where she did have her her perfect day so you would have had to have you would have gotten to have your 16 candles moment with carter
1: that is true Oh, I'm so happy the movie didn't end there. Had it ended there, I would have been like kind of a little bit upset. <laughs> mm, fair.
0: What about you? I think because I'm I'm also about an expedient death, but I wouldn't want to just I don't know. Picking the cupcake seems like the easy way out. So Fuck I will off. go. <laughs> I will go with the
1: baseball bat to the head. I almost picked that one, just so you know.
0: Because part of me was like, well, it'd be kind of fun to go out. Like, death by bong is a bit of a memorable one. Like, I'm imagining police officers discovering my body and being like, this boy parted too hard. <laughs> but then I'm like, ew, you would actually have to get, like, dirty bong water glass shards shoved through your face. So, I'm like, no, I don't want that one.
1: <laughs> uh, So, all right, is that the end of your game? That is the end of the game, okay, so before we go to housekeeping, I do want to mention one fun bit of trivia. This movie is connected to Jennifer's body. Do you know how? I do, but oh. for the
0: sake for the sake of uh the listening crowd, I will play along. No, okay. how okay. is it connected to Jennifer's body trace?
1: this oh wait, I put it on my call sheet. Fuck, I need to stop doing that. <laughs> so this film was first announced in July of two thousand seven, which this is sm- crazy. It is insane. With Megan Fox attached to star. It was originally titled Half to Death, produced by Michael Bay <laughs> and Rogue Pictures. Jesus. There's,
0: there's a lot of things that are either wrong or incomprehensible about what you just wrote.
1: <laughs> yes. And then directed by someone named Auntie Jokinen. I don't know who that is.
0: Oh, it's uh, Aunt Jemima's cousin, right?
1: Sure. Uh, the, the, it was actually, it, well, it was the same script uh so scott lobdol Lobdell, mr comic book writer who also wrote man of the house or story <laughs> man of the house uh he had that script in 2007 christopher landon was hired to rewrite it he reworked it the studio decided not to move forward uh it wasn't until jason blum got a hold of it yeah which again he got a hold of it in they announced the project in 2016 so you know this is a whole nine years after the initial megan fox you know failure
0: yeah, I wonder if it's because of Megan Fox's falling out with Michael Bay that it didn't move forward, or if they just decided, no, this is not working for us. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, as as we discussed in Jennifer's body, it it's interesting because I think back at that point, like that was pre-Jennifer's body, two thousand and seven. Obviously she's still getting cast for her looks and her body yada yada. But I wonder if people were kind of like, mm. Like, this just isn't a good fit with actress and material. And then, you know, she and Michael Bay were not on good speaking terms in the post-Transformers debacle.
1: Well, and now, given... How, how we're aware of how much we love Jenner's body. How do you think Megan Fox would have fared in this role?
0: See, that was interesting. That to me is actually the piece I can see her playing this role, which mm-hmm. is one of the reasons why initially when you said, oh, you know, uh, Jessica Roth is so great. And I was like, oh, I, I see. But I could, like, I could see Megan Fox doing well in this role. Mm hmm. But I also think that the actress from Sorority Row that you love, who's the foul one.
1: Leah Pipes. Uh, I wish she was more famous.
0: See, I could kind of also imagine her in this role. Yeah, like, it all I, depends I, I on how too. well you can manage the bitch to sweetness, you know, meter.
1: That, that is the thing, though. So the bitches that Megan Fox and Leah Pipes have played haven't been as, I don't want to say as charismatic, but as, like, endearing as Jessica Roth play, But again, those are the, because the parts they're written are like that. So, I mean, again, w- when I die and go to heaven, I'm that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> I'm going to be like, God, can you please put all these different actresses in this movie and tell me? And so I can just see who's better.
0: Oh, I thought you were suggesting take all these actresses that you love and put them into a single film like The Women. <laughs> Um, I would also watch that. <laughs> it's like Megan Fox as the heartbreaker and Leah Pipes as her drunken sorority sister roommate and <laughs> Jessica Roth wow. as, like, the sweetly endearing friend who's being cheated on. <laughs> I, why do I have to die to make this happen? Hollywood, make this happen
1: right now. I want this. Arr! Yeah, Hollywood still doesn't like movies with ladies, so. No, and I don't think they like Megan Fox either. Okay, well, so... That is Happy Death Day. Happy and, Death Day. Uh, if you want to reach us on Twitter, you can reach me at Traced Thurman. That's Trace D as in dog Thurman. And Joe. You can reach me at B stole My Remote. That's the letter B Snow My Remote. And if you're tweeting about the podcast, please be sure to use the hashtag horrorqueers in your tweets so we can find them. Uh, yes. Unless you're saying something really offensive.
0: And then only tweet Trace. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, if you've got something longer than a tweet, you can always send us an email at horrorqueers at gmail.com.
1: Uh yeah, and uh also please really helps us out. Uh leave us ratings uh or reviews. If you don't have time for review, just you know leave a star rating on iTunes.
0: And if you want to support the show in other ways, of course, we do have that Patreon account. So it's patreon.com backslash horrorqueers. So we've got lots of great content in there. We're gonna have Happy Death Day Two. We've already done Velvet. Buzzkill? is that velvet, the right <laughs> velvet buzzsaw <laughs> buzzsaw jesus that weird jake joe Hall one. that one's already up there and then of course we've got our january patreon episodes which were escape day and glass
1: yes escape room not escape day but yeah you're close
0: it's all escape escapes and
1: days and deaths and, and then yeah so yeah please visit the patreon patreon.com slash horrorqueers just to say it one more time uh And give us your money So <laughs> We would also like to thank Bloody Disgusting for, uh, for producing and sponsoring us Because uh, without them none of this would be possible And Joe mm-hmm. What are we doing next week?
0: So we are late to the game But we are digging into the women in horror month So we are going to be Dipping our toe into Paranoid lesbian pregnancy With Lyle
1: Now listeners you may be like What the fuck is Lyle? I get it I didn't know what it was either, but it is free on Amazon Prime and it's only an hour and five minutes. And it's essentially been described as a lesbian Rosemary's Baby starring Gabby Hoffman. And honestly, love. yeah, Gabby Hoffman was my selling point.
0: <laughs> yeah. And it looks really interesting and really good. So I'm excited. And this is, I, I think, the first film that we've done that neither one of us have seen the film.
1: Yeah. And maybe no one's going to listen to it because they don't know what this movie is. And I'm willing to take that risk.
0: Or it means that everyone should be checking it out because it sounds like a great film to check
1: out yes absolutely so without anything else to say i just have to say cross out horror queers and cross
0: out happy death day